Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Amen. As we continue our study in the book of Genesis, our series is called Alpha and Omega. We're getting ready to finish the book of Genesis, and then we will be looking at the book of Revelation. And so we'll find out in the end, we win. So I want to encourage you to be faithful. You don't want to miss anything, especially as we finish this one and move into Revelation. Well, we're trekking through Genesis, and the the last 14 chapters are about this amazing biblical character, are arguably one of the greatest in all of God's counsel, and it's Joseph. And Joseph is a type, a model of Jesus in the Old Testament. He's a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Much of what happens in the life of Joseph patterns or mirror images what happens in the life of Jesus. He is an amazing man. There's no negative, uh, no real negative um, commentary about the life of Joseph. You could make the argument that he was a little quick to brag about his dreams, but I don't even think he was out of character in doing that. He is a guy who is God's guy in a pagan world. He has seen ups and downs in his life. His life is like a roller coaster. And I just, uh, Jason said it in his testimony, things bad, bad things happen in life and you just have to let them go. I just want to let you know, I am not, I'm not the guy to tell you that if you give your life to God, your life is going to be amazing and perfect all the time. There are those who would tell you if you give your life to Christ and you live for him that you'll never be sick, you'll always have a pocket full of money, your kids will make straight A's and be wonderful every day, and your relationship with your wife will be perfect. That's a lie. That is not biblical, okay? What the Bible does say is when we commit ourselves to God, no matter matter whether we are on the mountaintop or in a valley low, he's right there with us. No matter where we are in this journey, he's with us. See, we have a, a companion to help us through it, and that's what it means. So if you're here today and you're in the middle of a valley, I just want to encourage you with today's message because it's encouraged my heart. Often when uh, the sermon, the service is over and I greet people at the end, people come say, you've been reading my mail, man. I mean, that that sermon was my, it was about me. It's never about you. Not a sermon I preach is about you. The sermons are about me. And what you get is leftovers from what God does in my heart and when he rattles my cage. So what we're looking at today is a guy named Joseph. And Joseph is a guy who has been through a lot. His his brothers hated him, cast him into a cistern, from the cistern into slavery. Got himself in, uh, found himself in Egypt as a slave, ended up Potiphar's house. Things seem to be going good. Now he's in charge of everything Potiphar has except his wife. But his wife liked him a little too much, wanted a relationship with him more than a slave. And so he refused refused to do that. And so she accused him of sexual assault. He didn't get a trial. He didn't get to call any of the authorities because he was a slave. So he's cast into prison. While in prison, he becomes the leader of the prison, the the warden's right-hand man. But now all of a sudden, he finds himself in prison and all he's wasting away in a cell. And the only thing there with him is his dream. Now that's what happens in life sometimes. God places a dream. He he births a dream in our heart, in our soul, in our life. And, And man, we commit to that. We see it. We feel it. We know it. But then all of a sudden, things, circumstances change in our life. And we find ourselves wondering, is the dream really real? 
Did that, was that really from God or was that something that, I, you know, I just kind of a figment of my imagination, something that I put together on my own. So sometimes what we need in this life, when we get in this journey of, of pilgrim or pilgrimage toward God, what we need sometimes is to drop back and have a fresh perspective. And that's the title of the message, perspective. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a fresh perspective. Now, if you look up perspective, this is what it means by definition. It means a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something. It is a point of view. That's what a perspective is. Now, to help us with this, I brought a couple of, of uh, 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 instruments with me. Optical instrument number one, microscope. Optical instrument number two, the telescope. Now, if you look these up to find out what they are by definition, you find out that microscope is an optical instrument used for viewing very small things. Yeah, we kind of knew that. Telescope is an optical instrument designed to make a large distant object appear nearer. Now, that's what they do. You say, what does that have to do with my spiritual life? What does that have to do with me being a Christian? What does it have to do with me being a church member, a husband, a wife, a father, uh, a mother, a grandparent? What does this have to do in my relationship with God? Well, it has a tremendous amount. I want you to know that although both of these are instruments to view something, they differ vastly only by what happens inside in the guts of these instruments, okay? And it, both of them have a convex or a concave lens or mirror, and it broadcasts an image of something that you look at, and it transposes it where the, where the, the, the light rays meet, way beyond my uh, understanding. Okay, way, the light waves meet, and it changes the image so you can either see something very small or observe something that's very large and bring it up close and personal. And so sometimes that's what we need to do in our spiritual journey. You see, the microscope views very small objects, and its, op its objective lens, which is the part inside produces a larger version of the actual image. The telescope, on the other hand, uh, takes faraway objects, planets, or other astronomical bodies, and its objective lens produce, produces a smaller version of the actual instrument. So it determines how we see something. And in our spiritual journey, sometimes we need a different instrument to view what's going on in our life. Because we've all had setbacks. There's not a soul in here who has not had a setback, a troubled time, a difficult scenario in your life, every single one of you. If you've ever had difficulty in your life of any kind, health, uh, relationship, whatever, uh, any kind of setback in your life, raise your hand, okay? For those who didn't raise your hand, next week I'm preaching online, you need to be here, okay? Or you hadn't had one, we all need to stop right now and pray for you because you've got one in the chamber headed your way. Okay, because it's common to all of us. Now, we can't do anything about that, but we can do something about how we handle it or respond to it. And that's what we're going to learn today from the life of this guy named Joseph. So tell your neighbor, nobody said it would be easy. Tell your neighbor, God said it would be good. See, easy and good are not the same. It's not easy, but God will make it good. So on the back of your worship guide, the title of the message is Perspective, and point number one is this, microscope. It is for observation. It is for observation. Now, join me in Genesis chapter 40, verse 1. It says, after these things, pause, after what things? All of that stuff I said. Brothers hated him, cast him in a cistern. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now he's in prison with a dream. 
Okay, he's in a bad spot. Sure, he's over the prison, but he's still in prison. Don't give, don't make it look too good for him. He's still in jail. It says, after these things happened, the cupbearer to the king now of Egypt and the royal baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. And so Pharaoh was enraged with his two officials and the cupbearer and the baker. So he imprisoned them in the house of the captain of the guard in the same facility where Joseph was confined. Now he's got some new roomies, okay? And so verse four, the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be their attendant and he served them. And they spent some time in custody. Verse 5, both of them, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream on the same night. And each man's dream had its own meaning. So verse 6, Joseph, who is their attendant, the one who's over the jail now, he says, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were looking depressed. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, hey, who were in the custody with him, hey, why do you look so sad today? Now, let me tell you something. Joseph has every reason not to even notice that these other two guys are depressed. And even when I was studying this week, I didn't even see that. And it came out in the early service that this, Joseph had every reason to throw his own pity party. Joseph had every reason to be in the prison. And as soon as these other two guys get in prison and they tell him his stories, I know, I'm the same deal. I ain't done nothing wrong. Every, by the way, every prisoner in jail has never done anything wrong. It's always somebody else, you know. I didn't do it. If famous last words, okay? So Joseph has every reason to say, I didn't do it. I didn't deserve this. So let's just have it start a fraternity, a pity party fraternity. And our theme song is going to be one that I got from Hee Haw, okay? It's called Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. Ever watch, ever watch Hee Haw growing up? Okay, the old people did. There was a song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. If it, were, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. And if that's not enough, we're going to get Gene, our harmonica, our harp player, and say, Gene, play me something real bluesy, real sad, because we need to cry, because we have been mistreated, and everything is not going our way. But you know what? It don't happen like that for Joseph. He has every reason to be looking through the microscope of his journey with God. Here is a guy. This is God's guy. He is the only God believer in all of Egypt. He is in a pagan land. He's the only Hebrew there. My dad's not here. My brothers, who I don't even like, they're not here. Nobody's watching. I could live like I want to. Nobody cares. But he knew that there's a God who watched his every move, saw his every thought, and cared deeply about how he lived his life. So it would have been easy for him to look through the microscope and say, yeah, I'm not going to get too excited about your dreams. I'm not going to get too excited about y'all being here because I got a dream and it's dying right here in this cell with me because I really thought God had something big. I had a vision and a dream, but it's not unfolding or unfurling like I thought. So I'm just going to look through this microscope at all the negative details in my life and I'm just going to stay right here. I want to tell you something. A microscope is good for observation. And I'm not telling you not to look at the details of life, but I want to warn you not to get too addicted to this thing called a microscope that looks into the details and the negative things that happen in your life. Don't get trapped in the microscope. Tell your neighbor, don't get trapped on the microscope. So he didn't do that, but he had every reason. But instead, what he does, he notices these two guys are depressed. He's been in there for a while. They just showed up, and they're already depressed. Let me tell you what a depressed person won't notice, other depressed people, because a depressed person's not worried about other depressed people because they too depressed themselves. But here's Joseph. He's not depressed. He's in there 
and hadn't done anything wrong. He's in the gutter of his journey with God, but he's willing to say, you know what, fellas, I notice that you are depressed. And so, so what we have to learn to do is use the microscope, look at the details, watch the circumstances of our life, but don't get addicted to the microscope. Don't get addicted to just looking at the negative things in your life, okay? Because I want to tell you what it does. It'll drag you down spiritually, and I want to tell you this, it becomes sinful. When all we look at is woe is me, pity party, life is tougher on me than it is on you, we're in trouble. Now, I just want to answer a question. I had this conversation. This comes up all the time. had a conversation yesterday. A guy was hooking up a security system in my house. And he says, yeah, I hear this a lot where I'm at. You know, we've had some really good people living for the Lord. And, and why do good things happen to bad people? Not even a good question. There are no good people. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. So there's no good people. It's not even a good question. So let's rephrase the question. I'm living for God, and I'm trying my best to be obedient to him. Why do bad things happen to me? That's the question. We're not worried about good people. We're worried about me, right? And so why do bad things happen in our life? Because this, this is the answer to the question. And it's a huge, it's a good question. Here's the answer and you'll know it. Because what happened in the first two chapters of Genesis in the garden of perfection crumbled in chapter three. And God writes the rest of the Bible explaining how he's gonna redeem such a broken world. You see, when Adam and Eve fell, they fell far and they fell hard and all of creation fell with them. And so the whole world is broken. And so what God does here in 2018, what he did uh, 40 years ago, in my, uh, 45 years ago in my life, he reached down into this broken world and he looked at this little broken boy, 10 years old, and he said, I love you. I died for you. I want you to be mine. I want to adopt you in the blood of Jesus. I want you to be my child for eternity. Will you receive my grace gift? And that little 10-year-old boy who was me said, that seems like a no-brainer, I'm in, all right? What he did in that moment is he reached down in my soul and he fixed the brokenness of my spiritual condition. He healed me totally spiritually. So from that moment for all of eternity, he sees me hidden behind Jesus. He sees me as righteous because he's looking through the righteousness of Jesus. But listen, I'm a walking testimony. I got scars to prove it. I got an artificial hip, screws in my knees, scars right here from hernia. I got back surgery. I got all that stuff. Okay, but wait a minute. I'm a Christian. God lives in me. The, the eternal God, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. How do I have all that? Because listen, when God redeemed my soul, he started to work on the inside. And the inside is not, and the, and the redemption is not complete until he finishes it on the outside. One day he'll fix this broken world. One day he'll give me a glorified body. But until then, he's got my soul. And the rest of my body has to kind of groan through the things of this life. And I'm a walking testimony. Sometimes it is not fun. If you agree, sometimes living life is not fun, say amen. See, we're keeping good company. So, so we got to be careful about the microscope. So, so now we need a fresh perspective. We, okay, I'm, I'm looking for transparency. How many people have ever spent a little too much time looking at the negative circumstances of their life and throwing a little pity party for yourself? Anybody in here ever done that? Okay, There's a lot of liars in here still. Next week's the message for you. Okay, we do that. We do that. 
But I want you to see God's man, Joseph, he doesn't do it that way. In fact, what happens, let's go to the next one, number two, the telescope. It is for anticipation. This is for observation. This is for anticipation. In fact, uh, I was a stargazer. This thing's driving me nuts. I was a stargazer for a long time when the girls were little. I didn't even know what I was looking at. We would lay, we lived on a farm in Alabama. It was really dark. It was no, not a lot of light uh, um, pollution. And the girls, they were just little. And we'd lay on the trampoline in the dark on this farm and look at the sky. And they would have uh, falling stars or whatever, you know. And I would tell the girls, yeah, that's the Big Dipper. That's the Little Dipper. That's the Blender. The, that's the egg beater over there. And they think, oh, it is? Yeah. I didn't even know what the Big Dipper was. All I know is I'd lay on that trampoline with my girls, and we were having a time. And it was amazing, the vastness of the universe. And to know that God whispered it, named it, calls them to shine. If one falls out of the sky, he takes a counting record of it. To know that, that's all I needed to know. And so we would joke about what we saw. We didn't know what we was looking at. Okay? Now, sometimes we need a fresh perspective because this will give you an anticipation. They, they know what, they know what the, based on lunar cycles, they know what the tide's going to do. They know what the sun, the, the, the clock is going to be set at. They know it because they anticipate based on looking out into something greater. So listen what happens in the story in verse 8. So they told him, this is the cupbearer and the baker. They tell Joseph his dreams. He says, well, here's the deal. We both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. Here's how you know that Joseph had a telescope perspective rather than microscope. Here's how. Because if he was looking through a microscope and they said, well, we had dreams and nobody knows how to interpret them. If he was looking through the microscope, he'd say, yeah, let me tell you what to do with those dreams. Flush them down the toilet because they don't mean anything. I had some good dreams. I was going to be large and in charge. My family's going to bow down to me. I was going to be the ruler, man. It was awesome. And look where it got me. Cast away from my family in this prison with you guys. So let me tell you what your dreams mean. Nothing. But he didn't do that. In fact, he never lost his view of God, even through all of those negative circumstances. Listen to what he says. Joseph responded, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me. You see, that's what we do. That's how we do it. When, 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 when something comes into our life, we turn it to God. We just give it to God. We don't get it. It's a pity party, woe is me. You just turn it to God. You just hold your head up. You look to God because that is where the answers come from. And he's sovereign. He's large and in charge. He never is surprised. He's always in control. Even when this broken world deals you a bad deal. God is still in charge. And so, so the cupbearer dreams of this vine and three branches and it buds and blossoms and yields these clusters of grapes. And he takes the grapes and he smashes them up and he makes juice and he gives it to Pharaoh. And Joseph tells him, he said, man, that's a cool dream. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen. In three days, uh, Pharaoh is going to bring you out of here and he's going to restore your position and you'll continue to serve him with, you'll be his cupbearer. Oh, man, that's cool, Jojo. That's a good dream. Thanks for sharing that. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the baker's over there, and he says, I'd like to, okay, I got a dream too. Like, so what's my dream? And so he says, uh, here's my dream. He says, uh, he says I had uh, uh, three baskets of bread on my head, and, and then the birds were eating from the top basket. And Joseph says, yeah, yours isn't like the cupbearer. He said, in fact, here's what's happened. That, that bread on top and those birds eating it, what, what's going to happen in three days with you is he's going to kill you and the birds are going to eat your flesh. Okay, some dreams you'd just rather not know what they mean, all right? 
And so, so literally what happens, Scripture says, is in, in verse 20, it says, On the third day, it was Pharaoh's birthday, so he gave a feast for all of his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker in the midst of his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so that he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Verse 22, but the chief baker, he impaled just as Joseph had predicted. Now, the problem is, the, the, the problem is all of us have dreams. All of us have circumstances in our life. And all of us need somebody to remind us that we have two options of viewing our circumstances. One is a microscope and one is a telescope. Now, I said earlier that this message is for the preacher, and it is. Because let me tell you what happens in the life of a preacher, okay? And everybody told me this, and it's not as bad as some preachers would tell it, but it, it's, it's pretty heavy. Everything seems to rise and fall on the preacher. I didn't really sign up for that. I didn't ask to be a preacher. I got called to preach, and I love to preach. I love my calling. I love my church. But sometimes it kind of stinks. It's kind of a stinky job. And, and how many of you here sometimes have a stinky job? Raise your hand. Yeah, all of us have a stinky job. They're paying you. That's why they pay you because it's so stinky that if they didn't pay you, you wouldn't just come and do it, okay? So they pay you to do the stinky job, all right? Well, the preaching job sometimes is a little stinky too. And, and, and so here's what happens in the preacher's life. Um, we, it happens to Brother Mike over at Clinton. It happens to Joe. It happens to Kyle. It happens to Joel. And what happens is God births a dream. He did it for me four years ago, and, and I knew it was a dream. Kendra knew it was a dream. And even though the day they voted for us to come over here, Kendra was all excited when they voted yes us for us to leave second and come to Sturkey. She, was, she started crying. I said, what are you crying for? Oh, we got to leave our, our friend. I said, well, we're taking some friends with us too, you know. It's going to be okay, you know. It's, we knew it was a dream. And we came and it's, we're part of a dream. I don't know what the end result of the dream is. I don't even care. We're in the middle of a dream. We're walking. We live in the dream. We joke about that because people say, I'm living the dream. I am living the dream. It ain't always fun and easy, but I'm living the dream that God birthed and placed in my heart for this church. So you're living the dream, just like Joseph was living the dream. And then you get in this place, so the preacher does, where you don't feel like the dream's unfolding, unfurling like you thought. And you're in this little bit of a funk, and summer is really easy to get there because everybody goes on vacation, and everybody has tournaments, and everybody has stuff and stuff and stuff. And next thing you know, you, you show up, and, you know, it looks like, you know, the rapture happened, and you missed it, you know. And, and so it, it, it kind of gets to you. And, and so, th so then you begin to hear uh, people say, hey, uh, this this teacher over here is not doing so good in that life group. Um, hey, I don't have a life group for my age. Uh, hey, we didn't do this. Hey, we need to do better at this. And uh, hey, uh, that ministry right there is not thriving. Hey, that's not doing this, and they're not doing that. And so the preacher, he comes over here, and he gets his old microscope because he gets in the old pity party mode, old preacher called to preach, and man, and here, let me just look at all the negative. You know, the negative, uh, yeah, there's not enough baptisms and there's not enough salvations and people are unfaithful. You know, they think they're faithful because they're coming Christmas and Easter or they think they're faithful because they're coming once a month. Any preachers in here know exactly what I'm talking about, amen. Uh, and so you start looking at all this stuff and you get a little frustrated, you get a little down because you're looking through this microscope. And, and, then, uh, and then you realize... There's more people inviting people who don't even go here than people who go here. So the people are not excited about their church anymore. And Joe gets down. They're not singing. And Kyle gets down because they're not coming. They're doing everything but that. And boy, just, you see what I'm saying? That's the preacher. I know, you, I know where you live. It's for you too. 
You got it too. I know you have those days. And then, right in the middle, while you're living in this microscope world, somebody comes into your world with a telescope. And let me tell you what it looks like for your pastor. It looks like this. Friday of this week, I had lunch with Matt Mercer, who spoke with me last week. And he said, I said, everything go good at church? He said, yeah, man. He said, you have a wonderful church. He said, the worship is wonderful. The people are wonderful. The environment's wonderful. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. God hangs out on that hill. And he said, you were just a couple of years, I really believe, from seeing really substantial growth. <laughs> Here's me. You do? And I, mean, I mean, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm the preacher. Yeah, I know that. Okay. My heart's saying, you do? And he says, yeah, man, it's good. And all of a sudden, man, you, you, you forgot about your microscope, and you're kind of coming over here next to your telescope. And you think, well, okay, maybe everything's going to be okay. I'm, Lord is my witness, Kendra too. So left that conversation, came over here. Kendra's doing the worship guide. Carol's out. Guy knocks on the door. He comes, hey, Jeremy, come in. He's an architect. He's a, he's a civil engineer with Michael Brady. He comes in. He goes, hey, I was just going to let you know I'm changing companies. I was just going to let you know where it's going. He said, but by the way, I, we have some new people moved in here from uh, Indiana. And he said, I, uh, uh, they're looking for a church. I told them this is the church. He said, they came to our church, but I told them they need to come to your church. <laughs> You know, it's sad when people that go to another church invite more people to your church than people to go to your church. Y'all think I said that right? Okay. So here's the deal. Here, here, here's the deal. He said, yeah, I told him come to your church. I said, it's the church to be at, man. God's doing some great stuff. And I said, and I, and I thought, he, he is? I mean, yeah, he is. Yeah, I'm the preacher over here. God's doing some cool stuff. Okay. So now I'm, I'm, I got this thing. I'm looking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't over. Yesterday... I'm over at the house. You know, we're building a house. And I was over at the house, and Tammy DeCourcy, who used to come here, and her, her, her husband uh, passed away tragically. And because he loved the church so much, she had to go somewhere else because it broke her heart. So she goes to another church. And she said, hey, I invited my neighbors to come to your church. She goes to Grace. It's a good church. She invited them to come to our church. I just think that's funny. Right? And so I said, yeah, I know. She said, you yeah. know, I said, yeah. They signed up for the new members class. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, they're coming to Bible study and women's class. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Okay. Now, man, I got the telescope. Okay. Forget the microscope because all of a sudden, just because God sent somebody into my little circle that said, hey, get your head off the microscope. Get your vision back of your dream. Look up into the night sky and see the greatness of God's creation. Be reminded that there's a God up there, that no matter what your life looks like in the moment, he is an everlasting, eternal, timeless God, and he has it all right in the palm of his hand, and he is, he is never any less sovereign just because you're in a rough spot in your life. He's always in control. He's never surprised. He knows where you're at. He knows what's coming your way, and he says, listen, just keep Keep looking up here at me and everything will be okay. And so that's what it looks like when, when, when you get past the microscope and you begin to see through the telescope the greatness of who God is. Amen? And some of us need to practice that today, this week. We just need to go there and see what it is that God wants you to see and not what it is that you want to see or those around you want you to see. Number three, a microscope is for maximization. It says in verse 23, but the chief cupbearer, oh, by the way, so the, the last thing he says, I left that out, the last thing Joseph says to the cupbearer, he says, well, listen, when it all happens, don't forget your boy Jojo. 
Don't forget about the dreamer. Don't forget about the interpreter. I got the connection with God. Okay, get me out of this place, all right? So he's, he's looking through the telescope. He said, man, this is my way out. God, thank you. It's going to be good. But then it says in verse 23, but the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So here we go, man. We just had this wonderful telescope experience. He forgot him. Now we're moving toward the, tel- the microscope. Listen, it gets worse. Verse, uh, chapter 41, verse 1 says, at the end of two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. Two more years. He's sitting there, has every reason to be looking at the pity party details of his life, has every reason to stop looking up and start looking down at the minutest details of his life, how he and his dream are wasting away in this prison cell of Pharaoh for something that he didn't even do. He has every reason to do that. But Pharaoh had a dream. You see, in those two years, he didn't, Joseph didn't know that God wasn't finished writing dreams. Joseph didn't know who he was going to use to dream next. Joseph didn't know that God was going to send a dream to arguably the king of the world, the king, the Pharaoh of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. He's going to plant a dream in him, and there's not going to be anybody to interpret his dream. And so instead of having a microscope mentality and looking down, he continued to have a telescopic view of God. Tell your neighbor, don't get addicted to the microscope. It's okay to view the details of your life. It's okay to remember and to see the the tough moments in your life because God uses those to make us better. He, he he, he 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 doesn't allow the brokenness to come into your life to hurt you. He allows the brokenness in your life to help you. He allows you to experience brokenness so he can reach into the brokenness, breathe on it, and make something wonderful out of brokenness. That's what he does. That's that's who he is. That's the character of God, to take broken and to whisper on it and breathe on it and make it beautiful. And that's what he chooses to do in our life. So, so, So God is still not finished with Joseph, even two years into this thing. And I want you to know this morning, maybe you've been in kind of this jailhouse Uh, a jailhouse experience in your Christian journey, I got good news. I know this. God's not finished with you yet. How do I know that? Because you're still here. And I don't see anybody in here that's, that's pulseless and breathless. You're all still alive. And as long as you are alive, he still is using you and he's not finished with you yet. And he's calling you out saying, hey, Stop looking where you're at. Look up and see where you're going because it's going to be good if you'll just trust me. And the sooner often that we trust him, the sooner it opens God's ability to begin to unfold the rest of the story for your life. Number four, the telescope is for minimization. The telescope is for minimization. You see what it does? It takes something far away, something astronomically large, and it brings it into where you can observe it through this little eyepiece. So it says, now he's been invited to see the king. It says the first thing, he shaved himself. That's a good idea. Okay, then he changed his clothes. I'm sure that's a good idea. And then he came before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. But I have heard about you that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph replied to Pharaoh, 
Now listen, pause. The only reason Pharaoh heard that Joseph interpreted dreams is because he never lost his telescopic view of God. And when the opportunity to interpret somebody else's dreams and watch them walk out, he did it. And now God is going to use all of that to take him to this new place. And so Joseph replied to Pharaoh. He said, Pharaoh, I do interpret dreams. He said, but before I interpret, we're going to get this thing in a contract because I've been doing this thing kind of freestyle and I kind of keep getting the short end of the stick. So here's what we're going to do, Pharaoh. You're going to give me a chest with $1 million in gold coins Okay, you're going to take a posse and go hang my 11 brothers who cast me over here to start with. Okay, and then you're going to take Potiphar's wife and you're going to hang her from a tree for false allegations against God's boy. Okay, and then uh, you're going to do this and this. and th- No, no, if you read ahead, that's not what he does at all. In fact, he says, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, it is not within my power, but God will speak concerning the welfare of Pharaoh. See, Joseph never got past his view of God through the telescope. When, I say all the time, we need a bigger view of God and a smaller view of us. When you understand the vast nature of God, it changes the way you see who you see in the mirror every morning because you understand there's a God that's so much bigger than that, and he's chosen to create you, and he's chosen to give you life, and he's chosen to bless you and gift you, and he's chosen to come here and die in your place to rescue you from your sinful condition because he wants a forever relationship with you. And all of a sudden, man, what you see in that telescope, you don't want to let go of it. And when you hear somebody talking about the little microscopic view, you start praying, God, don't let me go there. God, help me keep looking at you. Let me tell you something that happens when we look down. Our life gets flat. We pray before the service. In the early service, I heard Joe tell the band, he said, listen, he said, when we're doing the offering, let's just play B flat. <laughs> I said, man, I can B flat. I'm way over some of y'all's head. Okay. I don't sing. I do sing. It's terrible. Okay. But back when I used to lead worship and it was terrible, uh, I tried to learn how to sing better than I did. I mean, I could do, carry a tune in a big bucket, but it had big holes in it. And so, so. Uh, they would tell you that if you're going to sing to keep them getting flat, raise your, raise your eyebrows, okay? So I'll be looking next week. Some of y'all need to raise your eyebrows. I heard you singing this morning. It's flat. Okay. And so here's what happens, man. When we, just, when we begin to look down in the microscope, everything kind of goes flat. and it, it doesn't sound or look like what it's supposed to sound or look like. But when we raise ourselves up and we look up, things change. I, 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 I promise you. When you take your eyes off of your circumstances through the microscope and you put your eyes on the greatness of God, it'll change the way you view your life. It'll change the way you navigate through the tough spot in this life. And so Joseph has the opportunity to share his dreams, uh, to, share, to interpret dreams one more time. Now, let me tell you why it's so important to know that, that what Joseph is saying in giving God the credit for what's going on. This is something I'm learning because I want to own things. And I t- said this message is for me. I want to own, if the church does good, I'll, you know, I want to own that. I want to say, God, I'm trying, you know, thank you for blessing it. But listen, when we give it all to God, you let it all go. So when there's 500 here, I say, God, yours, that's cool. When there's 200 here, God, that's yours too. As long as I'm obedient and living according to my calling, 
having a passion for him and for others, staying focused on the dream that he's placed in my heart, I don't have to worry about how many people get saved. I couldn't save me. I can't save any, anybody else. I don't have to worry about how many people get baptized. I don't have to worry if 200 or 2,000 come through that door. I don't have to worry if there's 50 bucks or 50,000 in the offering plate. I do not have to worry about that. God doesn't, God doesn't hold me responsible for that. He just holds me responsible for loving God, loving others, living according to my calling, and staying focused on the dream. And that is liberating when we can let it go and just let God do what he wants to do. Tragically, though, people today, they, 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 they worship and focus on everything else, money, celebrities, football, sports, uh, possessions. They place their faith in everything else, and they miss God's telescopic view of him. And so I want to conclude with this I, I perspective. Uh, it's, it's, it's getting your focus right. Several years ago, uh, Kelsey was in college, and Caitlin was getting married. And we'd gone through a season, both of them, in college. And if, uh, <clears throat> if you have daughters and they haven't gotten married yet, or if you have students and they're not in college yet, go to Waggles and get a third shift job and save every penny of it now, okay? And, 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 and work your guts out because it is so expensive, okay? And we had saved... I bought properties and stuff. Oh yeah, we're doing good. <laughs> Sold everything we owned. You know, I'm, you know, I'm down to nothing. And, and they're still in school. And Caitlin's getting married. And as God would have it, because He's always done this, I showed up at Ison Manufacturing in Clinton, and a friend of mine was over all the maintenance, and he had about ten Mexicans cutting his grass. He had about twenty-five acres. I said, "Dude, why are you paying guys to cut your grass?" He said, I pay him, this is what he said, I pay him $44,000 a year to cut my grass. I can't afford to pay one man with insurance and the equipment to cut my own grass, so I'll pay them. He said, why, you want to cut the grass? He didn't know where I was at financially. He said, you want to cut the grass? I said, maybe. And he knew I cut, I had a, I had a nice yard, so he knew I, I knew what a good yard looked like. So here's, here's how perspective works. So I bought this big old zero-turn mower. It was 72-inch wide cut, big one, Okay. And I go out there, and I'd never cut a field this big. It was probably 12 acres or so, big flat field. And I said, man, I'm going to stripe this thing like a baseball field. I want him to be proud of the work because he's paying me 44000 a year to cut the grass. I go down through there, man, I'm focusing. I'm looking down. I'm watching, man. I'm holding it tight. I swiveled that thing around. It looked like a drunk had come across the field. It was, it, oh, it was striped all right, like a zebra, okay? I mean, it's doing this. I thought, oh, no, that looks terrible. And I was sitting there, and I didn't know what to do. I looked up, and there was a power pole on the other side of the parking lot. I said, okay, I'm going to try something different. I just looked up the power pole. If there had been a rabbit or a squirrel or a cat or a dog out there, I'd have killed them, chopped them up a piece. I'm like this, man, I'm laser focused. I'm looking up. I got my eyes focused on something higher and bigger than where I am. And I get to the end of that thing, and I zeroed that thing around, and it looked like a laser. And I was like, yes. And so from then on, now you got a straight line. You can go, listen, listen, listen. That's what happens in our spiritual life. When we spend all of our time in a microscope, you look back at your spiritual journey, it is a stinking zigzag pattern. It is nothing attractive. But when you look at something bigger, further out there, and you place your, your, you place your laser focus on that, he will give you a line. He will give you a life that when you look back, you say, that's amazing how straight that line is. God will, will in, in, 
enlighten you in every decision you make. He will help you live a life that's productive and full and free and all in the experience of the greatness of who he is. And don't get me wrong, you will have garbage in your life, I promise you. You will have setbacks. You will have troubles. You will have heartaches. You will have sickness, but there's a God. And when you're focused on that, it just kind of comes in and hits you. And I'm telling you, I got the scars and the artificial parts to prove it. It'll hit you. It'll come into your life. But all the while, you're looking up and God is right there. And he says, yeah, you just keep looking at me and it's going to be okay. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to know today that God loves you. And he wants you to be part of his kingdom. And there's only one way that we can have a relationship with God. And it's through Jesus, his son. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father except by me. The Bible says that Jesus is the name whereby we must be saved and there is no other name. I want you to know today, if you don't know God, maybe you question the reality of God. He knows you. He doesn't question the reality of you because he formed you and fashioned you and made you. And you may feel in this moment that that God of love and mercy and grace is reaching into your soul and inviting you into a relationship with him. I cannot do that to you. Only God can do that. But what I can do is to tell you how to respond to that. You simply get to a place where you lay yourself down and you say, God, I'm a mess. And I've tried to fix stuff and fix me and it does not work. But for some reason in this moment, I feel like you're inviting me into your love relationship. And I hear the story about Jesus coming and dying on a cross, but it's not real to me. God, right now, I, I confess that I'm a sinner. God, right now, I believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for my sin. God, right now, I want that grace gift, that free gift of eternal life. I want it in my life. Would you save a sinner like me on this day? I receive your grace gift. The Bible says when we ask, he comes running to save us. We simply say, God, thank you for saving me on this day. I repent of all my sins. Help me live for you from this day forward. Thank you in Jesus' name. And then for others of us in here, maybe we're already saved and we have a relationship with God. I would just simply invite you to pray to God and say, God, help me stay away from the microscope so much. Help me get a fresh view of the greatness of who you are so I'll experience what you have for me in this life and I will be found obedient to your call. God, we thank you for this time. I pray that you would bind the enemy. I pray, God, that you would uh, speak to hearts and you'd give free people freedom to respond. God, I pray if somebody needs to make a decision for you today that this would be the day that you will bind the enemy from their life and that you will give them clarity, discernment, wisdom, power, and strength to make a decision for you. And God, for others, I pray that this will be a day of new beginnings, that we will focus on you and live for you in Jesus' name.